Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of Believe Podcasts and the Buzz Radio Network. The former Arkansas Razorback baseball player Tyler Spoon. We have from ESPN's Around the Horn, Kylie Questionable, also a two-time Dan Levitard Show Suey winner, and the <laughs> former head athlete at Cornell, Sarah Spain. D1Baseball.com editor Aaron Fitt. And current Razorback freshman star Devo Davis. Mr. Ryan McGee. And we are happy to be joined by Martrell Spate. A former guest of the show, Coach Mike Neighbors from the Arkansas women's basketball team. Former Razorback great and current SEC Network basketball analyst, Pat the Shooter Bradley. Here are your hosts, Kyle Sutherland, Kevin Bohannon, and Porter Hayes. Welcome in episode 218 of the one and only Hog Talk podcast live from the Heinemann Services Studios. I'm your host Kyle Sutherland alongside Porter Hayes and coach Kevin Bohannon and whether you're listening on 106.7 The Buzz 2 or your favorite podcast platform we appreciate you coming to hang out with us. If you're on one of the forums be sure and hit that subscribe button if you have not already and if you're on Apple Podcast. If you could please be so kind to hit that five-star rating and leave us a written review to help us continue to get our name out there and reach more people. The show is brought to you, as always, by our friends at Bet Online. They are your number one spot for all pro and college football action this season with a new updated website and interface plus more odds, props, and contests. Bet Online gives you, or they continue to be your number one source for everything football. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 100% welcome bonus off your first deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use promo code NFL100. They are the fastest and easiest way for all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. For the first time in 10 years, it was last during Barack Obama's first term when Moves Like Jagger was the top song in the country, and many of these players were finishing up grade school your Arkansas Razorbacks have broken the losing streak to Texas A&M, defeating the Aggies 20-10, to and it was much worse than that, at least on the field if you were watching the game, as all of us were. The Hogs are 4-0 for the first time since 2003, and College Game Day will be heading to Athens for the matchup with the Georgia Bulldogs next week. And guys, Cabo, I will start with you. Just describe it. We've had a couple of firsts, really, in the last year on this show, and then the Sam Pittman era. He's seven and seven now uh, as a as the Razorback head coach. So he's hit that five hundred mark right at the time. I guess we're pushing. Well, we're about the quarter season right now, the third, I guess. And he's already done more than we can even fathom, more than we could have fathomed prior to the time of his hiring. What do you have to say about it? Just your uh, immediate reaction. I talked to Trey Biddy on Friday, and me and him kind of were, were – we fought against ourselves. And he came out and talked about this today in an article that he felt it would be – he's disappointed himself because he wanted to come out and say the Razorbacks were going to win and win handedly. Like they were going to go out and take care of business because they were a top-10 team, top-10 caliber team. And we just found out that the AP poll just dropped and we're number eight in the nation, number 11 in the coaches' poll. For the first time, we can go into a game and say, we are the better team. And Sam Pittman has been 
adamant about that. We don't have to have the best players, even though we do have some great players out there, uh, especially the quarterback position on Saturday. It was evident that K.J. Jefferson is not mediocre. He is that dude. He's better than Zach Calzada, who was a four-star recruit and ranked higher than K.J. was. Our three linebackers, Henry, Poole, Morgan, best linebacker core probably in the SEC right now, and the statistics back it up. We won a game handedly with Jalen Catalan making two tackles. Two. So yeah. that just shows you that we do have the better team right now. And it's been so long since we could say that. It's been 10 years since we, you know, got to this rarefied era that we're at right now. We get to be on ESPN College Game Day. Uh, and I said on Saturday, game day features were once so far away from us that we couldn't imagine it. And two years later under Sam Pittman, we're getting features done by us. And we'll be the feature game of the week on ESPN next week. Yeah, <clears throat> everything you said. I mean, you know, when you listen to radio stations and they play back clips, you know, they have to go back to 06 or 2010. You know, you have to go way back to, to show the highlights. When they play things on SEC Network and they do an Arkansas day, they, they rarely show the Arkansas games because of just how bad things have been. They're showing soccer games, volleyball games, men's basketball. I mean, how cool is it now what we said last year? We said this before the season started. All we need is football to get rolling, and everything's going to come together. And I feel it. I felt the buzz last week or, you know, when the Texas game was going on. You felt it this week. You feel something is different with this team. You look at the last year when Alabama won it and the year before when LSU won the national championship, and I'm not saying Arkansas is going to win the national championship. You felt like a team of – Destiny. You felt like everything when LSU had that perfect team, everything just was going their way. They, they, everything just felt like it was flowing, the culture. And I think that's what's going on in Arkansas right now is Sam Pittman's building a monster. I mean, and it's more of they're buying in the culture and you see it on the field. You, you talked about Jalen Catalan only having two tackles. What does that say about our linebackers in our front three? You, you're doing that with three-man pressure. You don't have to have your safety come up and make – all, all the tackles, and, you know, he, he become an All-American because he was getting all them tackles, you know. It feels really good. Like they said, you're winning the game on all three aspects of your defense, your line, your linebackers, and the back end. Everybody was worried about, well, when they throw the deep ball, they're going to get big. I don't – other than Spiller's run, they didn't give up a big play like we had thought maybe they would give up. So it, it was very impressive game. I mean, you jump out to that big lead, and you thought it was going to be another Texas route. Texas A&M come back and, and made it a close game, but you just never really thought, even as close as the game was, you never really thought that Texas A&M had a chance to win this game. I want to touch on what you said about Spiller's run there, and that was, like you mentioned, the only play that you can really think of where they got us. That was one where the center just got under the pads of Isaiah Nichols, and he pushed him away, and that's really all Spiller needed to get that next step and, and bust through the secondary, bust through the linebackers, and get for the touchdown, because we know that that's what he's capable of. He's one of the best running backs in the SEC. There's no question about that. I thought that he was a little foolish to say that uh, we didn't stop them at all. They stopped themselves, which they did stop themselves some, but overall we did stop them this was maybe the best game Cabo you talked about you mentioned it yesterday in our group chat that this was pro that Barry Odom was calling a really good game I think this might be the best game that he's called from the beginning to end since he has been the defensive coordinator for the Razorbacks and that was another thing I wanted to touch on Porter you mentioned culture kind of in the middle of what you were making your point there 
And we continue to go back to that. And I've said so many times, and I think we've all, to an extent, you know, as a Razorback fan base, have said that Sam Pittman was the perfect hire for the right time at the position that this Razorback football team was in. They didn't have to get that $5 million man. I think the only guy that's that was a really hot commodity that has, uh, whenever at the time that Sam Pittman got hired around that, that time that Chad Morris had the program really struggling, that is doing well now is Lane Kiffin. You look at Mike Norvell, that's 0-4 at Florida State. Eli Drinkwitz lost a heartbreaker on Saturday. I don't think that necessarily Missouri's in an awful place, but there's so many different coaches that we thought, oh, because they're doing so well at so many other places that we have to get them. Yes, it's not all about just wanting to be at Arkansas. There's plenty of players around this state that go to that play high school ball and they want to be Razorbacks, but they might not have the talent to do it. It's the fact that we do have talent. We did have talent and we knew that. The biggest question is, were we going to have the depth? And they have more than answered that question. That was my biggest concern on the offensive line and the defensive line. And I can't say enough about Trey Williams. I don't think anybody can say enough about what he was able to do. There's no question to me. I I guess I can't really say this fully because I, I didn't take a look across the entire SEC. But it is really hard for me to imagine that he is not the SEC Defensive Player of the Week with what he was able to do. Just every single play wearing out their offensive line, no matter who he was going up against, He was still making plays when he had guys blocking him. I tweeted out last week during the Georgia Southern game that he might have been the best guy we got out of the portal. The problem was, and I meant as far as talent, obviously, but the problem was he was just playing so incredibly loosely. He just he was getting personal foul after personal foul. Now he's gotten that under control, and he and John Ridgeway, what in particular those two guys, what they have done, not always on the stat sheet, even though they've done pretty well on the stat sheet. The impact that they have made for Cabo, what you said could be possibly the best linebacking core in the SEC, and then we also know what our secondary can do. I I cannot say enough in particular about this defensive line that we had so many questions about going into the season. Yeah, because we didn't know who they were. I mean, you got three starters out there, and and Dorian Gerald was that fourth starter. If they go with a four-man front, he's out for the year. But now you have the depth where you can roll six, eight guys in there but you look at that front last night, you had Trey Williams, John Ridgway, and Markel Utzi. All, those three guys were not on campus last year, so we really didn't know. And uh, Sam Pittman said in his presser last night that Trey Williams was hurt early in the year, uh, had some back issues, but it reminded me of Dwight Freeney from the Colts, a really good defensive end uh, back in, you know, 10 years ago when he was in his prime, how he could get around that corner and get to about a 45-degree angle and get around a tackle right there. When he got up in a two-point stance and he knew he was coming, they had no choice. And it wasn't just the two sacks. It was the holding penalties that he induced that showed just how much havoc created. And I and I will say this about the Spiller run. If Ridgeway is right there with Isaiah Nichols, in place of Isaiah Nichols, he doesn't make that run. And But ifs and buts, candy and nuts, we all get that. But that just shows you – how complete this defense is. Monteric Brown, great recognition and athleticism on the back end. Guys, this defense has given up one touchdown pass through four games. One. And that was insane. Yeah, that's that's nuts. 41-yard pass uh, against Rice. Uh, Ladarius Bishop, you know, got touched on that play. But other than that, they've done what they're supposed to do. They have taken their umbrella coverage and three-man front to the next level. And because of the depth that they have, they're able to run three-man front, four-man front, four-two-five, three-three, three-two-six. 
doesn't matter. They started in a three-two-six yesterday, and if we're able to get that pressure with five in the box, it's going to be a long year for a lot of offenses. Guys, I, I want to ask you before we move on. You know, j- just how much does it mean to y'all that this team can go into any game and actually fully believe they can win the game? Look at next week's game against Georgia. They're going to go into that game fully believing they can man up with Georgia and beat them. What do you think that means to those players that they can walk into a stadium, they're not getting laughed at, they're not the joke of social media. You see all the praise they're getting on social media, all the media pungents, all the the TikTok guys and the YouTubers and stuff. They're showing Arkansas praise. So, I mean, what do you think that means going into a week like next week, even with college game day, that they can go into that and and fully believe that they can win the game? To me, it's great because – I think you guys know, I've told y'all so many times, I've even said it on here, that I want to pick the Hogs. It's happened last year, really even years before that, but I just wasn't sure, again, if they were going to be able to finish up these games. Not necessarily this year. I I was going to pick the Aggies just because I thought that it just always tends to be in their favor. I'm not a big history guy in terms of, oh, what happened this year or that year, but it just always seems to be in the Aggies' favor. They always just tend to get that luck whether it's an overtime game or uh, returning a special teams kick for a touchdown and, and getting the momentum swung. And that's kind of what we thought that it was going to be whenever KJ went out yesterday. But I think from a player's standpoint, I'm just happy that they finally, because we heard all these years, whether it was under the Belum, the during the Belum era, during the Chad era, we're, we're right there. We're, we're going to show off for you guys. And then they would come out and get blown out. We're not seeing that now, and I don't think we're going to see that, even in an Alabama. Because I'll tell you, Alabama, I think, is going to get better and better as the season goes along. I'd really like to get them around this point. I'm still not saying we would beat them, but I, I definitely wish that we were getting them around this time, even though it would be make this gauntlet that we're going through even more brutal. But the fact that, like we've said, all we want mainly – we, I guess even I have said it this year because I still thought at the beginning of the season this was maybe a five at most six-win team that you just want to go in and you want to put a good product on the field. I think that we did that last year, and this is the year that they're like, okay, we're ready to take that next step and win games that we're not supposed to win because they've already done that two out of their four games. So that's that's mainly, yes, it's great as a fan to finally, for, for the first time since the back end of the 2014 season, know that you can go into any game and win it. I'm just glad for the players that they finally have a coach that they truly – and I think our players, for the most part, under Bielema believed in him. But it's just great for especially these guys that decided to stay, the Hayden Henrys, the Grant Morgans, and so on and so forth, Myron Cunningham, that they are getting to experience this stuff just a third of the way into the season with so much more left to go. And I think as bad as COVID was and what we had to go through, the the brutal SEC schedule – we're getting to see the benefits of the, the those guys that get to, got to come back. Hayden Henry talking about, I don't know if I'm going to come back, and he was, you know, they were struggling with it. He he was the third linebacker, and they had some new guys coming in. He may get passed up, but just just look at that story, and that just that epitomizes what this Razorback football program has done from one year to the next. So. I think this helps us more in the future than it does right now because you get to see all these four-star recruits and everybody that was at the game and then all eyes are on Arkansas right now. That's going to even help more in recruiting. So it establishes a foundation of we're here, 
and not just we're here. We're here and we're going to stay because we can keep building on this and everybody wants to come play for Coach Pittman. And speaking of great thing, we're talking about a great defense and a great team, what we've had so far. I want to tell you about our great friends at A-plus Insurance. They have you covered for your home, business, auto, life, and recreational policies. You can check them out on Facebook at A-plus Insurance Center. Visit their office at 312 West Commercial Street, Nozark, or contact Marcus Berry or Melinda Gregory at 479-667-3626. That's 479-667-3626. A-plus Insurance Center in Ozark, Arkansas. And, guys, another thing I wanted to bring up was the special teams. We talked about them last week. We praised them. Cam Little, the true freshman kicker, is just looking better and better by the week. I guess probably because he's continuing to be perfect on his extra points and field goals. But with as much flack as Scott Fountain got last year, they've pretty much been perfect for the most part, at least in terms of doing what they need to do until, or I guess really – after the fumble from Greg Brooks at the muff from Greg Brooks at te- against Texas, it's been pretty much smooth sailing. And to me, it, Nathan Parody catching fair catches is just seems to be a lot better and better whenever you consider the fact that we haven't had to worry about a special teams mistake. I think more and more people are kind of like, okay, with this offense finally moving the ball, we don't really. It'd be great to have a Joe Adams or a guy that can return punts and get us a little bit better field position. But just the fact that we know we're safe in that regard, I think, is giving fans a little bit more reassurance. Yeah, and having the fact that that's one thing. But the special teams have changed together altogether in the game of football. The formations you line up in and punt is not seven on the line and three protectors and a punter anymore. You look – I was noticing last night with, with the end zone angle, they're at about a 45-degree angle, and the two personal protectors are on the side that they're kicking to. So you have punters that are hanging it in the air much longer. Breed Bowers hang time yesterday. He's not kicking them very far, and then you look up and he's got a 40-yard average. But you need those guys that can handle it under pressure. I hated that T.J. Hammonds got called – for kick catch interference yesterday when he tripped over a guy, uh, could it have you know not been called? Maybe, but he has to be more aware of where he's at. That's a thing that you know j- should come with experience, especially when you've been on campus for six years. But it, it, things like that, and Blake Kern not going back on for a field goal attempt, the first field goal attempt yesterday, we were short two guys. So, but having him back there is so crucial. Uh, you know, you can not hold your breath every time a punt goes in the air. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's it's crazy because we talk about the three three different aspects of defense. You look at the three aspects of special teams. You've got a confident field goal kicker, you got a confident punter, and you've got a confident punt returner. Someone that you're not you're not worried about the when the field flips that something's gonna happen to give them a ball back because you have a muff punt like what we've seen in that Texas game and that stuff like that can change the whole aspect of a game and when you're a team like Arkansas and you're riding this momentum train and you're trying to work your way up and you're 4-0 now 1-0 in the SEC something like that could be detrimental to the team and it can really affect how the whole rest of the game's played and moving on to the next game because there's so much momentum and you get gut punched like that I mean the effects of that could be huge I think the only thing we talked about Blake Kern just a second you mentioned him Cabo 
I think that tight end's the only position that I'm that I'm scared about right now. We've got yeah. a solid running game. Offensive line's playing great. Traylon Burks is back to I, I say he's back to his freakish ability. He may just be even better than last year with what that that was just crazy. The amount of speed and the and how he was able to get separation on that defensive back for how big he is is just it's it's almost unfair. I'm glad he's on our team, but it truly is almost unfair for somebody to be that athletic and be that massive. But tight end has been a question of concern. We've talked about it on here plenty of times. They've been done a lot of different experiencing with that. It seems like we've joked about every player on the team pretty much has gotten reps there. I was real disappointed in Blake Kern. Yeah, I, I really was just because yeah. he was making just he's, – he's like a six-year senior. And don't get me wrong, he's done a lot of great things. He Especially last year, he really came into his own. But we do not have anybody – other than there was questions on I saw on Twitter and Facebook on Saturday. Why don't we put somebody else in? Because we don't have anybody. I don't really know what's going on with Hudson Henry. He has injuries or just not ready. Colin Sutherland uh, from the 2020 class hasn't really panned out. Nathan Bax may just not be ready. I, I don't know because I, I don't know what's going on with it. I know that Landon Rogers uh, uh, has has been there. Taking reps since fall camp and Trey Knox as well. Maybe they're just not prepared, but I know we have between 2023 and 2022, we've got three total tight ends committed, but they're not going to walk through that door anytime soon. I do feel good, again, about every other position pretty much right now on offense, especially we do need to hope that KJ goes into Georgia healthy, but that that was very disappointing. If we're going to talk about any kind of negativity, that was very disappointing from Blake Curran on Saturday. Yeah, and especially after the year he had last year. You know, you're looking at people to really step up. You know, we, we say that about Trey Knox all the time. We're waiting on him to step up, you know, and he's still on the team. He's still being very active. So if you look at guys like that, that people, you know, I, when, when I talked to the volleyball coach, Jason Watson, he was talking about when you have players on a team that are just used to playing all the time, all the time, and then they get complacent and they don't practice and they don't give it their all, people are going to jump them. People are going to jump their spots and they're going to take their spots. So it's going to be one of them things that, you know, we just need to see that production. And I don't know if it's they're just not targeting the tight ends, you know, in their offensive production or or not. But, yeah, it's kind of concerning to see just how he had that play last year. And then it's kind of – I don't know if you would call it a sophomore slump or or what you would call it, but – it just seems like some players, when they get that hype, we've seen it with Hudson Clark last year. He got all that hype after the, you know, the Ole Miss game, and then he, we've seen how that kind of faltered. So maybe it's one of them kind of deals, but it's just we, we need, like you said, if we need somebody to step up in this offense the way it is, it's definitely the tight ends because we're going to need them. You know, we're going to need them in a game like Georgia, Alabama, and those tougher games down the road. And something else that was disappointing, and I, before I say this, I want to let everybody know that we all make mistakes. I just need to send that reminder out because you know what I post every stuff day, yeah. every single day. Yes. I make I make mistakes definitely every single. My boss would tell you that, but you know what? Cabo's post, posted something that was wrong on our Twitter or Facebook. I've done it. Porter's done it. We've all made mistakes. We know that that happens. It's just part of life. But I got to call out five news here, man. Up in up in Northwest Arkansas, Fort Smith, NWA area. Look, if it would have been a last play type thing, I would have totally given this a pass. But the Razorbacks did not trail one time in this football game, 
and they had a headline. Porter, you would know a little bit more than me because I know that you were the one that sent us the picture, but they had a headline that said that A&M beat us, and they posted yep. that out. They put that out on social media, or they put it out across their headlines on TV. It was on their newscast. How does this happen? Were, it was on their newscast. So here's another thing. What channel was the damn game on? CBS. <laughs> yeah. CBS. Yeah. Their channel. Yeah. Unbelievable. So we're sitting there, oh, we're celebrating. This is, let me tell you the story. We, we were celebrating. We were talking, you know, having a few drinks, and we look, and the newscast comes on. And in the header, as they're show, showing the game, it says, Arkansas Falls to Texas A&M. And we're like, what? <laughs> I mean, are we seeing this correctly? Arkansas Falls. And you, you made it point very clear. They never trailed in the game. This was not a Nor was it tied. Lead. It wasn't even yeah. close, hardly. It was double yeah. digits. <laughs> so I, I'm not – and they got roasted. I mean, they got roasted pretty good, but rightfully so because you are a news channel. Yeah. You are the news. I, that's, that's a fireable offense. Again, if it was – I understand that people make mistakes, I, especially like when – I know that when I would take over for – and we, you and I, Porter, would both, whenever Cabo couldn't do the baseball updates, we would take over for him. And, dude, I would make at least two or three mistakes on that per, per game at minimum. It, it happens. But the fact that in this particular scenario, when the Razorbacks were never even close to losing pretty much the entire game, were barely even close to trailing. It was within, I think, the closest they got was a touchdown, 17-10. Mm-hmm. And then this happens. Like, you're the premier news station in northwest Arkansas. I don't know, yeah. man. That's uh, back when we that, would do that's our That's one art. of them, uh, like they sell on the uh, ESPN. Come on, man. Yeah. I mean, it's one of them moments. <laughs> oh, but it happens. It, it just really kind of just like you are. And, and before they moved up to northwest Arkansas, that was the only news station in Fort Smith. Now they're up in, in, in Northwest Arkansas now, but it's just, it baffles me that you're, you come off a com- commercial break and you should know, all right, this is our heading for this story. When was this written? Before the game? <laughs> I mean, it was, it was just one of them things that really irritated me because you, one, you got to do better and you, you have plenty of time to correct that with the speed of technology and people who run these production companies and produce these things, you can edit headings and text in a click of a button. So it was just like either it was laziness or the dude was on vacation. That yeah, day. I don't something. Know. Who knows? But well, we're about to hit a break here in just a second, but uh, we will have coverage, of course, as we have already this season with a analyst from the opposing team this week happens to be Georgia. So we will uh, on Friday show be doing a preview of that. And then up next, after the break, we will be recapping week four of Arkansas high school football. It's crazy, man. We're already a third of the way through college football season and pretty much at the halfway point for high school. It's uh, it's nuts. It's nuts how fast it goes, just the blink of the eye. Blink of an I eye. I know. But it's like we can't wait for it to get here, and it gets yeah. here, and it's now we're halfway and the next, through the season. Yeah, <laughs> the next thing we know, it's the beginning of the year. and uh, Yeah, but you know what? We got plenty of, uh, plenty of baseball season. There's plenty of ba- basketball season coming up and then baseball to look forward to. It's great as Razorback fans to actually be able to look forward to all sports again, at least for right now. So definitely enjoying it while we can, but I, I really don't think it's going to go anywhere anytime soon. But we are going to go somewhere for now, at least for the next minute or so. We're up against a break. Up next, we recap week four Arkansas high school football. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of Believe Podcast and the Buzz Radio Network. 
located in Fayetteville. The Rapology is your top spot for banners, signs, and wraps. From commercial fleet wraps, color changes, vinyl decals, and much more, they take care of you in a timely and professional manner. Call Rapology today at 479-368-6490. Again, that's 479-368-6490. Tackle your to-do list without breaking your back or getting your hands dirty by calling Heinemann Services. Located in Northwest Arkansas, Heinemann Services is your premier company to get those projects done that you've been putting off. Whether small remodels, lawn care, carpentry, and much more, they take care of you in a timely manner with exceptional customer service. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336. That's 479-347-9336. Welcome back to episode 218 of the Hog Talk Podcast. I'm Kyle Sutherland, and we go now to the Workman's Travel Center hotline. On the other end is Scorebook Live's Nate Olson to recap week four of Arkansas high school football. Nate, appreciate you coming on. It's good to have you again, and some good games this week. The season is flying by way too quick. Yeah, hey, first of all, good evening. And, yes, Rex Nelson and I were talking on our scoreboard show on Friday night that it's refreshing refreshing and a little bit disturbing that it's conference season because it's it the games mean a little bit more it also means the season is getting closer to being done and i, I we, we always marvel about how quickly the season goes when you're in that routine of of previewing the week and then you know highlighting the week at the end it just goes like clockwork really quickly but yeah th- there were some good games this week and we look forward to several weeks in a row of some big games around the state Right up at the top of those games was in the 7A. There wasn't a whole lot of surprises there, really any of them, but the the highlighted game was Fort Smith Northside, who, who surprisingly, well, I guess I know you had them ranked pretty high, but to a lot of people in the state, it was pretty surprising that they started 3-0. and I don't think that many were expecting that. And then Bryant coming off the loss in Longview, Texas, where their 32-game win streak ended. But, Nate, I'll tell you, the last time the Hornets lost in Arkansas was North Little Rock on October 26th. 2018 and to me from what we've seen right now the charging wildcats probably have the best chance of knocking them off this season i know that their offense has at times been inconsistent but this defense is just absolutely filthy particularly the run defense they held both west memphis and i think it was fayetteville to negative nine yards rushing and that's pretty much what bryant does carson burnett's kind of still a little trying to get used to the offense taking over for the great quarterback in austin ledbetter the landers award winner and chris ganaway is another one great martavian earl's another one there for that rush offense I, I think that maybe Cabot or, or Bentonville or Fayetteville, possibly even Conway might have something to say about that. But to me right now, it's the Wildcats that have any kind of chance to knock off Bryant in state. Yeah, they're, they're super athletic. You know, when I ranked them number two and I, I was just betting on the kids, I mean, betting on the players, what, what's been the constant over five years, the, the coach has not been the constant. It's been the talented kids that have come through there. And they have reloaded, they've reloaded. And so I, I was just like, how can you have them anywhere but number two behind a Bryant team that they played in the state championship that was riding a 32-game winning streak at the time or 30-game? How can you do anything but have them there? And they proved me right so far. And I'm not going to say that they will go undefeated because the 7A Central, I like Cabot a lot. I think Cabot could possibly beat North Little Rock or Bryant too. Conway, very good too. But 
Uh, certainly, North Little Rock, when you have that athleticism that they have, they've, they've always got tremendous athletes, and uh, they have bought into Randy Sandifer. I mean, I think they have bought into him as much as they have any other coach that's been there because he's been there so long. I mean, he's been an assistant. And I think kind of like with Sam Pittman, even though Pittman was, you know, new to the head coaching game, he knew how to relate to kids and recruit kids. And Randy Sandifer, he's been there since 1983. He knows, he knows these guys and, and how to, and what makes them tick and, and all that. And he's been around them and they've really responded And that. Yeah. That defense is very good. When Bryant plays them, I, I think, that, you know, you're talking a month from now, I think their passing game must be better to beat them because the running game is not quite as dominant as it was last year. Chris Ganaway is a good running back, but he may not be as good as that trio that they had last year, particularly running between the tackles. Uh, so I think the short passing game and uh, the intermediate passing game as well is going to have to be sharper. I mean, a little more creative um, to get some of the, the receivers open, maybe work the tight end that they were so successful doing last year. Uh, and I think they're working on that a little bit every week, maybe by the end of October, um, they'll be able to run that a little more because I, like you said, I, if they're just going to rely on the running game and running Carson Burnett quite a bit, I don't know if they're going to be able to do that against North Little Rock. We'll know a lot more as the season continues to get closer to the back end, because now you've got this week Conway at North Little Rock. And then I think the next week Cabot and, and Conway play, but there's a lot of these games that are, weeks eight through 10. And I know Bentonville and Fayetteville up there in the seven, a West, they play a little bit later. I think it's sometime in, in like later October. So yeah. we're not really going to know a whole lot about the seven, a in terms, we know who the top teams are right now, but once they really start yeah. playing each other, as they continue to get better, that's kind of when we'll have a little bit more to measure off of. And so, but there was a ton of news there in the six, a first off, it was headlined Thursday night with Parkview defeating a, a beat up Greenwood team, but still not to take any Anything away from this Parkview team. I think that they've also got a very filthy defense there with, uh, I can't pronounce his last name still, but Jude is his first name. Isaiah McKenzie, sophomore Alex Martin there along the defensive line. Yeah. And then in the secondary, you've got guys like Trent Bennett. Jalen White also plays back there. That's what uh, who had just committed to Ole Miss last week and also their quarterback. And But, of course, the next day on that Friday, they get handed down a, a suspension – or not a suspension. Well, yeah, I guess it was a player – for being ineligible uh, from the AAA, having to forfeit, forfeiture. yeah, yeah, for, yeah forfeiture, because um, I, I think that player actually, obviously, is not in right now. But they have the forfeiture from the Week One game with Little Rock Southwest, and they've also been placed on warning for the rest of the school year. And they go to Lake Hamilton this week, Benton the next. So they've had kind of like that gauntlet. You mentioned Sam Pittman a second ago in Arkansas playing this gauntlet that they're in right now. Parkview's yeah. pretty much had that with the Greenwood, again, a Greenwood team that was missing their quarterback, a running back, and then two of their defensive linemen, but still plenty of talent there, even though they've had to replace a lot. It just mm-hmm. we, We've talked about the 6A and just how brutal it is. And and just with that Parkview game right there, I mean, James Joyner going off for 270 yards and, and Jalen White, we're not really sure what his status is. I know he was a little bit banged up. I still was pretty effective in that game, though. But that 6A West, though, we're going to find out, talking about what we might find out in the 7A towards the end of the season, we'll find out over here the next couple of weeks when Benton and Parkview play each other, Lake Hamilton and Parkview. We'll see what that conference is all about. Well, I, I think, and I mentioned this on Channel 11 on THV. I go on there every week, and 
you know, I, th- I think I saw an interview with James Joyner earlier in the year or before the season in the summer. And, um, and he was, he was, I think a little frustrated that some of the pundits had those, you know, the other three schools like Hamilton, Benton and Greenwood ahead of them and kind of mentioned them as a trio. And then by the way, Parkview's there too. Um, I think, he and his teammates were a little bit upset and I was not shocked that they played well in that game. And it was at home. And of course, Greenwood was shorthanded. I think, you know, that would have, that would have made a little bit of a factor. It would have been a factor if a couple of those starters are missing some key guys, including your quarterback or running back. So to say that didn't make a difference, that wouldn't be right. But I still think part you could have won the game. I mean, they played, so well, and he was unstoppable, James Jointer. So uh, they they made a statement there. And then as far as what happened on Friday, and I've covered uh, high school sports in Arkansas since 98. Um, this isn't an isolated incident. I mean, this happens when you've got kids coming and going, um, which at a lot of schools, there are kids that, that transfer in and um, it happens. It happens. And you know, you, you talked to coach, uh, coach texted me, we updated the story, you know, he, he explained what happened. You know, it was, it was an oversight. Uh, they, they, uh, they found out about it and they reported it. So um, that should be the end of it. I mean, and, and, you know, a lot of people were talking about the Friday, the Thursday night game, but um, a lot of times when this does happen, and they catch it after one game, it's it's a moot point the rest of the season. So I'm going to assume that's the way this is going to be too, and we won't be talking about it again, and that if they made a mistake, they handled it the right way in self-reporting it. Yeah, I think so too. I, I talked with Brad. You know, I know you and I had talked about it on Friday night, and uh, wasn't really sure if he was going to comment on it at least until next week. And you know, like you said, it's just they're taking taking their lumps, I guess you could say, for lack of a better word, and then they're moving forward with it. But I think at least from the player standpoint, this is going to give them even more juice because they they have and I, and just talking to a few of them. They definitely have that mentality that you were talking about that James was mentioning about how everybody seems to be against them compared to some of the other schools in that conference. And look, Benton, they've got a bunch of skill players there. Strand Smith, they are, I think it's actually pronounced Strawn, that, that transferred in from Monticello. Great quarterback there. And then you've got a three-headed monster running back at least. I don't know if you could say a three-headed monster per se, but Casey and Brandon Johnson there are two that uh, I know that they've got close to around the, like, yeah. the 40 to 50 carry range and averaging 10-plus yards per carry. Uh, both of them are and so and then you've also got uh, Cam Harris there on the outside Andre Lane that hasn't done a lot this year but definitely shown that he can be a a, uh, very effective receiver for them but I'll tell you Nate one thing that was really shocking not just for the 6A but but all of high school football in Arkansas in general for me was El Dorado falling 31 to 20 to Jonesboro now Jonesboro had a very very tough non-conference schedule so I didn't necessarily think that they would be out of it once they got into conference play but El Dorado has been averaging like 500 yards between like 450 and 500 yards somewhere in that range uh, total offense per game with Charmin Rester leading this offense and guys like Jackie Washington there. Uh, there's some, I mean, even Coach Scott Reed after the Cabot game told me that he thinks that El Dorado from top to bottom has the top skill players in the state. And then they go down, go up to Jonesboro and 
to score 20 points. That's not typical of what we've seen from them this year. And what a start from Jonesboro in the 6A East. That one's not – I don't think it's quite as tough as the West, but it's still, you know, nothing to shake a stick at up there, and that's a great start for them to uh, coming off a tough non-con schedule to get that 1-0 victory there for the 6A East. Yeah, big win for them. I, you know, I was on Jonesboro Radio. I go on there every week with Bud Chappelle. I said one of the things – I read off all the statistics about El Dorado, those skilled guys you just mentioned, the, the numbers they piled up against Magnolia, which was eye-popping. And, uh, and I said, so obviously the defense is going to have to show up because they have tremendous athletes, like you said, and, and very potent offense. But I said one of the things I thought was an advantage was it was, it was at home. And I thought part of that equation would be a bus trip from El Dorado and a caller said that maybe they stayed overnight there. So I don't know, but still, even if they did that, it's, I think it was an advantage being at home, the crowd and everything. Um, from what I heard, they did have a great crowd there and going into that game. And you would probably still say this now that that could have decided the conference championship. I mean, even though it's week one uh, of the season, uh, Sylvan Hills would have something to say about that possibly, but those are, those are probably the two best teams right now. And to get that win, you've got to continue to take care of business. So that's, that's a big relief to win that game and to have it at home and take advantage of it. But that, that league is not uh, as tough at all as the West, not to take anything away from the East, but the West is very, I mean, top to bottom. Yeah. R- Russellville got beat very uh, badly by Benton, but they have improved. And Van Buren and Salem Springs aren't that bad. And Mountain Home. You know, it's there's not really a gimme anywhere you go there from top to bottom. Yeah. And also one that I forgot to mention there for the skill players was DeAndre Burns for El Dorado, the uh, Razorback yes. offer. Yeah. And then also Cam Bibby. He, I saw him against Cabot, and all three of them did a, a fantastic job. Ton of offense in that game on both sides. And uh, like you said about Sylvan Hills, can't sleep on them, especially compared to that two and three start that they had last year in Chris Hill's first season. And then were one of the hottest teams uh, until they lost to Lake Hamilton in the semifinals on pretty much the last play to go to the state championship. And so, but I'll tell you, the biggest surprise of all, in a good way, was Farmington. They're for real. I, I think that they proved that. They trailed Harrison 35-10 to 10 at the half, then scored 26 unanswered points in the fourth quarter, capped by Justin Logue catching the game-winning pass from, I think it was Cameron Van Zant. This is uh, his name, their sophomore quarterback. Yeah. Just a, about a minute left on the clock. That breaks Harrison's 22-game win streak in the 5A West. And, Nate, this doesn't shock me a bit, knowing who their coach is and J.R. Eldridge. Since 2017, he's won 50 games between Arkadelphia, North Little Rock, and now the 4-0 start at Farmington. And, you know, I, I'll be honest with you, I was, and there's record of it, so I can't lie about it. I was very critical of how North Little Rock handled his, uh, I guess you could say his resignation and the whole thing that uh, went down, you know, during the hiring process and, you know, nothing to take away. I even basically wrote an article about it last week talking about how even I was wrong, how so many other people were wrong just based on how North Little Rock has started. But J.R. Eldridge to me is in the top two, top three coaches in the state. I think that he's proven that he is winning everywhere he has been and he's winning big. It's still PA and it's still Little Rock Christian, I think most would say in the 5A, but you got to start talking about uh, Farmington there, particularly in the top. And you can't say that Harrison's out of it or anything, but Farmington no. has certainly made their their stamp on the 5A West and the 5A in general. Yes, I agree. 
Well, first of all, going back to your comment about North Little Rock, things are things have, have gone well there, but still, if you have a chance to to have J.R. Eldridge as your head coach, you need to keep him. Yeah. So things have gone well. Randy Sandifer, we just sang sang his praises. However, uh Eldridge is awesome. He's a tremendous coach. And like you said, in that top two or three or four in the state. And so, yes, you want to keep a guy like that, but their loss is Farmington's gain. And when he went there, uh, I thought, well, um, it's probably going to be a little while till they win, but they, they do have great facilities there. That's one of the fastest growing areas in Northwest Arkansas, Farmington. If you ever went to Farmington and, you know, 99 or 2000, you wouldn't even believe what it's like, like a lot of places up there, but it's a good spot. He's figured it out. And I think what he's done with Van Zan is really amazing too. You take a sophomore and they had a 19 point comeback against Springdale, the comeback here. And you know, what, what's really important about a comeback like that is that the kids are confident in doing it. And he's one of those guys that just says, Hey, I believe you can do it. This is how we're going to do it. And he gives those kids confidence, even a sophomore that, you know, probably hasn't realized how good he is yet. And, and to, to have that sort of uh, moxie to, to come out of a situation. And I mean, Har- Harrison's run was unbelievable. And I don't think many people thought that Farmington was going to win that game, including me, but now that they've won it, you've got to consider them as one of the, the elite teams. And, they're going to be in some other dog fights in this league. Uh, but, but that was a, that was a big one. If he was, if they somehow win the conference championship, I, I don't know how you could not give him coach of the year. I mean, you probably need to give him coach of the year anyway, but just on what he's done so far, but uh, if they win that league, that would be, you know, just astronomical. Uh, what, what have you been able to do there? Yeah, no question. And, and it's still PA, I think, for just about it. It certainly is for me right now. They got back to business of being their typical selves against Watson Chapel. And I think it was a 40 to 8 victory. Joe Hyman was Joe Hyman, had like 154 yards on three carries. Uh, I know he had a 96 yard run on a direct snap that he took. Uh, so PA got back to business and a really good game there on Highway 10 between Little Rock Christian and Maumel. Nate, it's it's been a tough season for Maumel. They are definitely yeah. not what their record is, no question. I think anybody would say that. They haven't had a home game still to this point. I believe next week is their first home game because of the turf situation. Went down to CE Bird and played a great game there, and I got a really bad call at the end. I think that they got a bad call at the end against Little Rock Christian as well, but the bottom line is they didn't put up enough offense, too. you gotta com- you got to consider that. It's easy to say that it was a bad call at the end right there. I thought that it personally was a, pers- a uh, pass interference watching the footage there at the end, but they're just, at the end of the day, again, there wasn't enough offense put up, and that's not easy to do against Little Rock Christian. They're one of, again, I think the top two teams in 5A, but I still think there is an opportunity for Maumel. They're going to play BB this week, and you expect them to put a pretty big beating on them. You would, Again, that's what you would think considering all yeah. that they've been through. They're going to be at home, and then in two weeks they, they welcome PA in. and so or I think that one's actually at PA. They go to Hatcher Stadium, and so they're going to have yeah. uh, two weeks where they should for sure get a victory. Again, no gimmies whatsoever, but uh, at the end of the day, I think that, that they should definitely win the next two weeks, and then they'll go into PA ready to play that game, and so that one should be extremely interesting well that'll be a big difference because like right now it's just kind of like they can't buy a victory and and it starts to mess with your mind as a player 
Like, what do we have to do to get a win? We're playing good. We play, you know, three overtimes against Robinson. You can't win there. So, so it starts to mess with your psyche. I talked about it on channel 11. We were out there and before the game, and I said, you know, they needed to get off to a good start and make it maybe where it doesn't come down to the end of the ball game, you know, get come out and, and, and make a statement and they weren't able to do it, but yeah, they, the offensively, they have not clicked probably like they want to. They're still so good in the trenches. Um, got some great athletes in there, including Nico Davier on defense. He plays tight end too. Great athlete. The season is not lost. And if they could, if they could win a couple in a row, the PA game all of a sudden is more interesting. Uh, I also want to see Whitehall play PA. Um, yeah, their defense is stout. It could disrupt PA a little bit and Little Rock Christian. The other thing I wanted to mention real quickly about Little Rock Christian, I have not seen Walker White play. And in fact, I did watch the warmups, and then I had to leave and I went to another game. So I, I haven't seen him in game action, but I watched him warm up for about 45 minutes. That kid is a specimen. He's great. I, I don't know that I, I mean, I, I'm, I've, I know I've seen sophomores that look really good, including Michael Dyer and Derek McFadden. But you know he was out there with just a kind of a cutoff shirt on in the warmups. The guy is chiseled. And he he just he looks like an SEC quarterback right now, and he's a sophomore. And Tyler Cass from Channel Eleven, you know he he was there with me, and he's like, man, I that guy does not look like a sophomore, and he's he's playing phenomenally. He like everybody thought he would, and uh, uh, you've got JV and Jones Dyer there with him, so at running back. They're going to be hard to beat. That PA game, that's always a big game, you know, a rivalry game. I'm looking forward to that one, too, because of because of the offenses of those teams. That, that'll be another one of those where you need to take your your lunch because it's going to last four and a half hours. <laughs> Those are those those games are not fun to cover on yes. deadline. Kyle. Yes, that uh, one. Eleven fifteen sometimes when they get over. Yeah, usually that's the case. Last year it was uh, it, PA got on them really early, and then they started to make Little Rock Christian started to make a comeback, but it was just a little bit too late. But uh, usually any game with PA is you you can expect to be there yeah. pretty much until any it, game with PA yeah. is long when you're right, and yeah. then when you get another team that can put up points like they can, it's like a track meet. Yeah. Um, same thing, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that, but I also think Whitehall, uh, we saw them against Parkview. I like their defense. You know, they were able to control Parkview a little bit and we saw what they, what Parkview did against Greenwood. So that, that five, a central is interesting and don't count Maumelle out yet. If you're a Maumelle fan, don't give up hope because the thing is they are, they are playing good. I mean, they're in games. They've just got to figure out a way to win a couple. And if they do, that could be very dangerous. Agreed. Yeah, that's pretty much what what uh, Barry Grooms had said. When I talked to him right before the season. I said, you know, Mom Mel's got all this hot talent. Why do y'all have them at ninth? That's exactly what he said. They just got to finish games. And so, but like we mentioned, they've been through a ton of adversity, and and hopefully over the next two weeks, especially, they get that together before they go to PA. And then finishing up here with the four A. Until I'm proven otherwise. It's Shiloh Christian and everyone else in the 4A there. They dominated it last year. I think they're going to continue to do that this year. But in the 2-4A, the overwhelming opinion, it seemed, that was at Stuttgart, and rightfully so, because of what they did last year. They had a lot coming back. 
that Stuttgart would run away with the conference and, and possibly have a chance to compete with Shiloh. Some had said that. And you also got to throw Warren in that mix, too. Warren, of course, yeah. did beat uh, did did beat Stuttgart 47-27, to and I believe it was week two. But the Ricebirds had an underwhelming 21-18 to victory over Southside Batesville on Friday night. And there's two other 4-0 teams in the 2-4A in Mills and Lone Oak, which – I don't. I know that they haven't played quite the schedule, but they like. There's not a, a bunch of guys, a bunch of teams on there that's going to wow you. But I haven't heard a peep about Mills in particular, and they've got this Jabray Shaw. This kid is absolutely yeah. like the numbers he is putting up. I know that going into the Bald Knob game through three games, he had close to 800 total yards and nine touchdowns. Now, as we're recording, I don't have the full stats, but I did talk to him on Sunday, and he did have a rushing touchdown and a receiving touchdown, had some pretty good plays on defense as well. But And then Lone Oak is led by Braden Allen at quarterback, and they've got a bunch of other athletes, as Lone Oak typically does. So you've got two 4-0 teams right there. And, and again, I do think that when it's all said and done, Stuttgart will probably get it figured out and win the conference like they did last year. But it's not going to be just a runaway like we think Shiloh will be in their conference and then the 4A overall. I think that definitely Mills and Lone Oak better start getting a little bit of respect. I agree. And and Stuttgart can't overlook anybody. I, maybe he overlooked Batesville Southside a little bit, and then you saw what happened there. They pulled it out, but um, I don't know. You know, maybe after the Warren game getting blown out like that, I don't know if that's uh, affected some of their confidence or there's some injuries there. I you know I haven't heard of any, but something's kind of happened, and uh, they they better figure it out because those other teams are are feeling good about themselves. And I you know I had Stuttgart. Uh, ranked high in our top 25 and they're still in there and uh and i still like them a lot um but it doesn't just seem like they're playing their best football right now but you also have to the teams you mentioned you do have to look at the schedule sure and i don't think they have played as tough of a schedule but on but but one of the things i don't like is when somebody says well somebody's five and no but they haven't played anybody well they played who the schedule you know what the schedule was given to them and they're undefeated so there's something to be said about that. Uh, and what that does for you is give you momentum. Maybe you play five mediocre teams and the sixth one's really good. Well, by that time, you've tuned up and you're ready to go. You know, so so Mills feels great about themselves. So does Lone Oak. And now they're probably ready for a tougher game because they have worked out a lot of the kinks. And uh, Cortez Lee, I've known him for 20 plus years going back to Pine Bluff when I was at the commercial there at Pine Bluff commercial. He's a great guy. He played at Dollarway, coached at Alzheimer. One thing that a lot of people don't remember is that he won a state basketball championship because um, the coach left. And so he had to coach the team and, uh, and they won. So, you know, he kind of admittedly said that they wanted them, you know, the players, you know, won that, but, but he still was the coach there. He's just a great guy. He's a great guy. Teaches baseball lessons, too. He was a baseball uh, player, too. So um, I'm glad to see him having some success because um, he, he is a, he's a good dude, and uh, he's paid some dues at some places, been an assistant. So, you know, they may have something special there. Uh, it sounds like the transfer, like you said, Shaw was really, really a good addition. And Achilles Ringo is a young quarterback who kind of burst on the scene last year as a freshman. Sounds like he's doing well, too. So they've got some talent there. They've got some good facilities at Mills. So 
they may have something working there. Yeah, it's been a little while since they've uh, – I know that Mills has definitely had some programs through the years, but it's been quite a while, upwards of probably 20 years since they've had a yes. really uh, a truly competing playoff team. And so – well, we've been talking with Nate Olson from Scorebook Live. Go check them out at scorebooklive.com. Some of the best coverage of not just football, but uh, multiple sports throughout the state of Arkansas. And, Nate, as always, my man, it's great talking some high school ball with you. I'm sure we'll be chatting soon. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Have a good week. Sir, you too. And that will do it for Episode 218 of the Hog Talk Podcast, presented by Bet Online For all of us here, my name is Kyle Sutherland. Stay cool, stay safe, and go Hogs. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.